Band sounding pretty good this morning, huh? Let's praise God for our musicians, our worship leaders. One good thing about the pandemic is that Katrina is still here and not on the East Coast, right? All right? Okay. All right. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, it's so good to be with you all uh, this morning. Uh, whether you're here on campus or whether you're joining us online, I'm grateful for our community and for our journeying together during this season of life and also as we journey together through 1 John. I love that reading Katrina just read and it'll be the focus for us this morning. So last week, if you were watching online or if you came to the 8 o'clock, uh, I told you about how I was watching uh, the Marvel movies with my kids, going through it, uh, chronological order there, and we were watching Black Panther, and the antagonist of the story of Black Panther is Ulysses Claw, and he gets caught, and he's in the interrogation room, and he starts to sing Hathaway's 1993, What is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me No More. You know what I'm talking about? All right? Raise your hand if you know that song. Okay? Over at 8 o'clock service last week, there was like one person who was like raising their hand. So I, I knew you guys would be with me on this. All right? So anyway, you know that song, uh, What is Love? And uh, like I said last week, I had this flashback to the 1990s, uh, and many of you sent me some funny gifts and images. I did a little more research on this song and discovered that that song has been alive and well every year since 1993. Since then, it's had some sort of remix or some sort of cover. In fact, I found at least 27 different legitimate covers of that song. And a whole bunch of songs, all sorts of media have samplings of it. It's been done over and over again. All sorts of styles from uh, electronic dance music to rock to acoustic pop to ska, R&B, Latin bossa nova, and even a death metal version of that, which was kind of interesting. But it's pretty crazy that over the years, over the decades, nearly three decades, we keep hearing this song. What is love, right? Baby, don't hurt me no more. Well, last week, that was our theme, right? What is love? Because John basically answered the question. But this week, he answered the question again. So this is what is love, part two. The saga continues. The sequel is here. Hadaway's What is Love is on repeat. Now, I'm not sure why we keep hearing that song in our culture or why we have so many songs about love. Sometimes it kind of gets old, right? Well, interestingly, I heard someone kind of talking in that same way about the book of 1 John recently. They were kind of like, yeah, John, he's just kind of talking about love a lot. It's like he keeps on saying a thing over and over and over again. It's like 27 different covers of the same song, which whenever we critique the word of God that way, we might want to press pause on our 8-track or CD player or whatever you got. We want to press pause on that sort of thinking and step back and remember, oh, wait, this is God. This is God's word. And St. John is delivering a message from God to his people. And maybe, maybe there's a reason for him doing it the way that he's doing it. So why would John keep writing about love to the recipients of his letter? Why is he writing about love and talking about it over and over and over and over again? And it got me kind of thinking, we probably shouldn't be like, well, St. John, we got it already. We get the point. You already said it once. Just kind of move on to the next topic. In fact, if St. John were here, he might ask, hmm, do you really get it already? Like, really get it? 
Not just words on a paper, this is love, but down in your heart, get it, deep in your mind, get it, into your conscience, get it, into your identity, get it, into your being, into your words, into your life, into your actions, into your will, into your family, into your vocation, into your church, into your community, into your example to the world. Do you really know what love is? What is love? Just like last week, St. John says, I got the answer for you. 1 John 4, verse 10, straight up, he says this. He says, this is love. But before we get there, let's tackle. Why is he answering the same question in almost the same way, same song, just a different cover again? I mean, if you actually think about it and take a pause for a second, you can figure it out, right? He's saying it over and over again because they need to hear it over and over again. And that goes for anything that's sort of good, bad, or otherwise, right? You don't just get married and on your wedding day say, I love you, and that's it, right? You say it every day. You say it multiple times a day. If you have children, right, you don't just say it on the day they are born. You say it every day, all the time. That's the good side of it. The negative side of it, the bad side of it, is sometimes you've got to remind your kids every day to love each other, be kind to each other, and it's all for a reason, right? Because sometimes they struggle with that, with loving each other, being kind to one another. They need to hear it over and over again. So apparently, 1 John, he's writing this letter. There were divisions among the believers that John was writing to. There was conflict because they weren't seeing eye to eye on some very important issues about who Jesus is. They were asking things like, did he come in the flesh or was he just a spirit? Can we sort of combine our Greek culture, our platonic thought, this sort of idea that uh, matter is bad and the spirit is good? Can we kind of make that sort of Christian and make it work? Now, we don't know exactly all the specifics of the conflict, but it manifested in not so loving ways between the people of God, which I think is a pretty interesting question for us. Is there conflict among us. Is there conflict in the Christian church today? Is there fighting going on in the house, in our family? And if so, what's the nature of it? I was talking with a number of pastor friends this past week. I was praying with them, uh, sharing what's going on in life, talking to church stuff. It's kind of like life group stuff for pastors. And I learned that just as we see all this conflict going out there in the world today, we're seeing it in the church too. In fact, a mentor of mine told me this past week that he, he works with a lot of different churches and he said he's never seen it this way before, the amount of conflict within the church. Some of it's political, some of it's COVID-related, but my friends, there is conflict in the church there's conflict in a lot of churches in our area, in California, in the United States, in the world, and there's conflict within St. John's Orange, believe it or not. Conflict around political stuff, around COVID-related stuff. Some of it has to do with perspectives around race and culture and ethnicity and gender and age and law enforcement and socioeconomics and all sorts of stuff. The conflict is there. We can just say it out loud, because if we don't, then we're not going to deal with it, Right? And we might not even be able to completely identify what the conflict is, just like John 2,000 years ago. But we can learn something from St. John. St. John doesn't spend forever trying to identify every little nuanced piece of the, of the conflict in his epistle to us. But he spends quite a bit of time going over and over and over and over again, identifying the way through the conflict. 
the way in the conflict, the way beyond the conflict, the way above the conflict. In 1 John 4, verse 7, he says it. He says, dear friends. And when he says dear friends, it's like my beloved, my loved ones, my, my dearly loved family. He's saying, let us. He's saying, we must. He's saying, we gotta. We gotta love one another. We gotta love each other. But John, didn't you just say that like last week? Didn't you say that in, in chapter 3? But John's like, no. Maybe you need to hear it again. I know I need to hear it again. I've been having a hard time loving certain people. <laughs> I got an amen in the hand back there. Anybody else having a hard time loving certain people lately? Yeah, some of you might be in the same room. You might be referring to each other. <laughs> I've had a hard time loving some people lately. And I know, I know 100% that many of you have too. I've seen it in your anger. I've heard it in your anger. I've seen it in our anger on multiple sides of multiple issues. So I think we all need to hear it again from St. John. And guess what? Since that's the name of our church, maybe we should even listen a little bit more, right, to what he's saying. We gotta love each other. Loving each other is the only way through the conflict. It's the only way in the conflict. It's the only way beyond the conflict. It's the only way to rise above the conflict. But a reminder for us this morning that this call to love each other, this isn't some sort of American, individualistic, rugged, self-determination thing. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to love people so much because I said I'm going to do it. It's my destiny. John points us back to God. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from my will. It doesn't come from my determination or my competitive spirit to love better than that guy. Love comes from God. And I love what he says. He says, everyone who loves has been born of God, right? Think about that. That's a past reality with a present consequence in a good way a past reality that we live out here and now that i have identity that i'm a, i'm born as a child of god and i continue to know him i continue to have a relationship with him and to use an analogy from dr tony evans in our life group videos this past week you can put it this way we have a dad we got a home we have a family we have a house we have a room in the house and that's never going to change now, our dad might want us to keep our room clean, and he hopes it's going to be clean when he gets home. But he's never going to kick us out of the family. He's our dad. He loves us always. We will always have a place in the family, a room in the house. John continues on. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And John is saying that a relationship with God, who is love, manifests itself in a life that sort of grows in love. I mean, that statement, God is love, that's a huge statement that we could mine the depths of for a long time. But love always implies relationship. And in God himself, we have love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a love that is. It's a love that exists. It's a love that circles around and pours out into the world to us whom he loves. 
And it's a love that is more than words. It's more than feeling. It's action. Verse 9, right? This is how God showed, how he actioned, how he demonstrated his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live. I love that. That we might live through him. Love leads to life. It leads to living. It leads to really living. And then it comes next. It's the same song, but a new cover of it. What is love? John says it again, and he just says it outright. He says this in verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God. Wait, what? This is not about me? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is love? God is love. His love for us is the key. He sent his son to atone for our sins. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch. I mean, in fact, this whole section, every verse is like a sermon. John said it last week, and he's saying it again this week because we got to hear it again. Because we have a tendency to make it all about us. And John is saying, whoa, this is love. Not that we love, but that he loved us. It always starts with God. Because our love is tainted. Our love is marred. Our love is broken because of sin. And that's actually the other part of this whole thing. A lot of times we have a hard time loving others because we don't think we're that sinful. We don't think we're that broken. We don't think that we're in that need of God. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure, we'll say God loves me, but he doesn't need to love me that much, right? He needs to love that other guy over there a whole lot more because he's way more sinful than I am. I mean, can you believe what that guy did? Can you believe what he said? Do you know what he's going through that guy's mind? I'd never do that. I'd never say that. I'd never be that. I'm a good person. And it's right there where we neglect to see how unloving it is to compare ourselves with other children of God. Sometimes we, we struggle. We just rely so much on our wealth or our possessions or our health or our standing in the community or our safety or our security. And we'd never say it out loud, right? But we sort of live it. We don't need God. We really don't need him. We never say it, but we kind of live that way. Maybe John's challenge, if that's you today, is for you to realize that you maybe have made an idol of safety, of security, of status, of success. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. But wait, there's more to it. John says it again like last week and like verse 7. In verse 11, he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's part of who we are. As we realize and we rely on God's love for us, as we, we see how much we need him, we're kind of drawn away from ourselves. We're drawn toward others, the others that he loves. And we realize that we ought to, we must, we got to love each other because it's in our nature, because it's in God's nature, because we're his kids and we're in the family and it's what our family does. It's what we're created and recreated for in Jesus. My friends, this is where John takes it to the next level. You see, 
everybody in the world, I believe, wants to see God. Everyone wants to experience God. Everyone has this sort of God-shaped hole within them, a yearning for the divine, a yearning for eternity. And it got me kind of thinking about what's going on in the world right now. And where has the world seen God lately? We've seen a lot lately, right? Did you see God this past week? Did you see him in the news? Did you see him in the debates on Tuesday night? Or the social media that wrapped it up? Did you see him at work anywhere? Did you see God in your neighborhood? Did you see God in your family? Did you see God in your friendships? Did you see God in your church? Did you see God in your Christian friendships? Where will we see God? And better yet, where will the world see him? We just sang about it a moment ago. Better yet, where will those who are so hungry to see God, where will they see him? Will they see him in our fighting? Will they see him in our anger? Will they see him in our politics? Will they see him in our families? Will they see God in our church? John says something powerful here. Verse 12, he says, No one has ever seen God. And this is where we begin to wonder, how will anyone, anyone who needs God, how will they experience him? And this is when John takes the whole what is love question to a whole new level. In verse 12, he says, no one has ever seen God. But if, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The world sees God when we love each other. The world sees God's love when we love each other. The world encounters and experiences God and his love. When we love each other, that's a humbling opportunity. In some ways, a scary reality that the world will see God. Think about that. The world will see God through our love for each other. Not just words, not just emotions, but actions, sacrificial, cross-shaped actions, selfless actions of love. John says, dear friends, family that I love, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This week, every one of us is going to have a chance to love. Not to be right, not to demonstrate our superior logic or our superior ethic or our superior mind, or our superior politics, or our superior perspective. Every one of us this week is going to have a chance to love someone that's different than us. Someone maybe that we have anger toward. Someone maybe we even hate. We're going to have a chance to love selflessly as Christ loved us. And I hope, as in verse 16 says, we will rely on the love that God has for us and that we will love radically. And if we do, then someone, think about it, someone just might actually see God 
through us. What is love? This is love. Not that we love God, but that God has loved us. And so we are to love one another. Amen? Amen, brother.